I want to look at uh, in Nehemiah uh, chapter 1 at uh, Nehemiah's prayer. Nehemiah's prayer. Nehemiah prayed uh, for some specific things. And I pray that the Lord will bless us as we look at the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is an Old Testament character. Nehemiah is uh, one of our uh, heroes in the Old Testament. Nehemiah was used of God in a mighty way. If, uh, if young men want a role model to follow after, Nehemiah is just that individual. Nehemiah was able to uh, accomplish a whole lot as an individual and then with a group of folks. And God used Nehemiah in a, in a big way. To sort of lead up to uh, the prayer of Nehemiah, which is in chapter 1, uh, Nehemiah is, um, was chosen, so he no doubt was an honorable man. He was chosen to have an honorable position. Nehemiah was, uh, and I believe Elder Bradley mentioned this uh, when he was here, Nehemiah was the cupbearer for the king, King Artaxerxes. And it, um, it put him, his, um, his position put him right in the audience of the king. His occupation placed him in a very critical and vital position. He was able to be in the presence of the king. And at one point, when there was a tremendous need, he was able to utter that need to the king. A lot of folks probably couldn't get near the king, couldn't uh, come into his presence. But the occupation that Nehemiah had as being the cupbearer for the king allowed him to be in the very presence of the king. The cupbearer was the individual that would taste the wine or taste the the liquid, uh, taste the water before the king would drink of it. And a lot of folks that maybe didn't like the king would would attempt to poison him. So he would check everything. And if, if, if he lived after taking a sip or drink of it, then they would give it on to the king. So he was an honorable man, had an honorable position. But, uh, and Nehemiah was a Jew. And so Nehemiah, what leads up to this account of the the prayer of Nehemiah, it says that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came to me, uh, certain men of Judah, and he said, I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity concerning Jerusalem. He basically says, I I asked them about Jerusalem. Folks back home, I asked them about what the situation was like. I asked them about the condition, what the living arrangements were like. I asked them uh, what their experience was like. And I knew that they had been in captivity. But he said, I, I, had, uh, I asked Hananiah, who was able to give me a report of the condition of things back home. My sister Jan is here, and uh, when we drive out to New Mexico, we go through the little hometown that we grew up in. Little hometown had a little over 2,000 people when we grew up, and it was flourishing back then. But you fast forward 50 years later, and it's almost like a ghost town. You drive down through Main Street, and a lot of the businesses, the, the businesses are boarded up, and there's only maybe one active business, and that's the bank that's still active in this little community. Folks grew up, and they couldn't make a living in the community, and they moved off to the bigger cities. 
the older folks that uh, had had uh, supported the city ended up passing away, and it's it's uh, it's depressing to go through there. I can remember when we grew up; it was a it was a pretty active place. It was a lively place. In fact, I can remember all the the storefronts being occupied with businesses. I can remember there being a lot of activity on Main Street. In fact, I can remember the parade that they had on Main Street. And it might surprise you, but I used to ride my unicycle up and down Main Street. Isn't that right? During the parade. When I turned 50, I tried to get on it and uh, ride it. And I think Brother Tim Humes was there. And I realized something had changed. It's a unicycle. That's right. Not me. But if you hear a report like that from back home, that the people are in captivity, that the walls are broken down, that the enemy now has total reign and can come in and captivate your people, that they invade their homes that they take their belongings, that they persecute their families and persecute their children. If you hear a report like that about things back home, it saddens you and it grieves you. That can be the situation about our families. It can be the situation about maybe places where we grew up and where we lived. But it can also be the situation among our churches. <clears throat> Brother Chad actually said, he lives up in New Jersey, and he said, I, I spend a lot of my free time traveling around and visiting old churches up in the New England area that at one time were prosperous areas that now the old people have died off, the young people have moved away, the young folks don't seem to have an interest and the churches have either declined or in some cases closed up. Well, Nehemiah got a report from back home and the report that he had was very, very sad. It grieved him tremendously. Now, Nehemiah could have said, what's it to me? I can't do anything. I can't personally do anything about it. I can't make any difference. I'm just one individual. Nehemiah could say, well, that's their problem. I'll let them deal with that. Nehemiah could have said, it's been a long time since I've been there. I don't know anybody that could help out. I don't know anybody that could make a difference. Nehemiah could have said, I'm going to live my own life. I'm going to do my own thing. But look what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah had an audience before the king. And Nehemiah, when he heard the report, it grieved him. You ever hear a report and it, uh, it, it grieves you or it brings you to tears? It brings about a measure of sadness, a measure of sorrow. That's what happened with Nehemiah. When Nehemiah heard the report, they said to him, the remnant, the few that are left, they're in great captivity, Nehemiah. They're in great affliction and they're in great reproach. 
And Nehemiah, the condition is, is, is terrible. The wall that was around the city, Nehemiah, is broken down. The gates that are on the city to secure the city, Nehemiah, they've been burned with fire. It says that Nehemiah, when he heard these words, when it came to pass, Nehemiah said that I heard these words, that I sat down and I wept and I mourned certain days. You ever heard a report Maybe about somebody that's, uh, that's, that's close to you, that's, that's, that's going through something that's, that's very, very heavy, a, a very heavy load, a very heavy burden in their life. And you hear that report and because they're close to you, it brings you to a state of mourning. It brings you to a state of weeping. It brings you to a sad condition or a sad state. Nehemiah said that when he heard the report, he says, I sat down, I wept, and I mourned certain days. And then he said something else that's really important right here. Do you have a problem? Do you have a difficulty? Do you have something that you're dealing with that's bigger than you are? Then you can be encouraged by what Nehemiah did right here. Because the same thing that Nehemiah did, you and I can do the same thing as well. If you've got something in your life that's bigger than you are, that's a bigger problem than you you can handle yourself, then you can do the same thing that Nehemiah did. Look what Nehemiah did. It says, first he wept and he mourned certain days. Now, Now, there's a time... For weeping and there's a time for mourning. But but that should be, it should be a season in our life or an experience in our life. We shouldn't live all of our life weeping and mourning. For some folks, that's just almost a habit or a mindset. There's a time to weep, a time to mourn. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to rejoice in the Lord. And it should be part of our experience, but it shouldn't be our continual experience. If we're just in a state of weeping and mourning all the time, then there's something that's wrong. Our experience can bring us to the point of weeping and mourning, and, and, but, but then we should do something else. It says that Nehemiah, he wept and he mourned certain days and he said and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven Nehemiah saw the situation and Nehemiah said I don't know what the answer is I don't know what the solution is but I know somebody that does that's the Lord look what he says right here he says I I mourned and I, 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 I he says I wept And he says, then I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You have a big problem in your life? Then a really good solution for it is going to the Lord through prayer and fasting. Now, fasting is emphasized in the New Testament as well, especially in Matthew chapter 6. I know an individual that's here right now that told me, she said, I was experiencing something years ago in my family. And she said, I went to the Lord and I prayed and I fasted. And she said, you know what? God heard my prayer and God saw me through my situation. Nehemiah did exactly. Nehemiah could have said, I'm not going to do anything about it. Or what can I do? 
Nehemiah went to the Lord and he went to the Lord and it says that he prayed and he fasted unto the Lord. He says he prayed and it's interesting. He prayed and he fasted before the God of heaven. And then here's the prayer that Nehemiah prayed. Not that this is the only prayer that Nehemiah prayed. We have evidence that Nehemiah prayed all throughout uh, his account here, his story right here. But this is the prayer, the first prayer that Nehemiah prayed even before, even before he was used by God. The very first thing that Nehemiah did before he was even, before he felt the burden to be used of God or saw, saw the open door. Nehemiah went to the Lord in prayer. Look at what he said right here in the prayer. Nehemiah said, I beseech you, Lord, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Nehemiah comes to the Lord and he starts out and he just says, Lord, I, 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 need, I need you to hear my prayer. Lord, I know that you've given us commandments and promises in the past. And Lord, I've claimed those promises. In fact, Lord, I've experienced those promises in my own life. Lord, you've been with me all down through life. You brought me to the place that I'm at right now. You've sustained me over and over again. You've delivered me over and over again. And he says, Lord, one more time, I need to come to you. And Lord, would you, would you hear my prayer? He goes on down to say, not only, Lord, would you hear my prayer? But he says, Lord, would you look down upon me? Now, it's one thing, and we should pray for our brothers and sisters. We should pray for the country that we live in. We should pray for the leaders of our country. We're taught to pray for them. We should pray for our nation. We should pray for our churches. But Nehemiah is saying, Lord, I need you to hear me. How many need the Lord just to hear you? Your situation. Maybe you don't have a problem as big as Nehemiah was facing. Maybe you, you aren't experiencing what he did. But Nehemiah says, Lord, I need you to hear me. He says, you've heard your people in the past, those that love you, those that keep your commandments. We understand that if we love God at all, if we, if we have a heart for God, if we love God, it's because he loved us first. If you have a true, sincere heart for the Lord and a love for the Lord, it's because he first loved you. In fact, he chose you from before the world was created. I think it's pretty neat that Obrick Church was, was created before the United States was created. But you know what? That's small in respect to when God started loving you. God started loving you from before the world was created. So he cares for you. He says, Lord, would you, would you hear me? Lord, would you look down upon me? He says, Lord, would you hear my prayer? Would you hear the prayer of thy servant? Would you, would you hear me this time, 
Lord. He says, which I pray before thee day and night. He says, I pray for my family. I, I pray for my people. He says, I'm praying for the, the children of Israel, thy servants. And, and he says, Lord, he says, I, I, uh, I, I not only want you to hear my prayer, but he, he then begins. And the very first thing that he, that he does is he says, it, it may be that the reason that we're in the condition that we're in, the reason that my, my people are in the condition that they're in, the reason that they're under hardship and bondage and persecution, it may be, Nehemiah says, that, that I sinned. Or it may be, Nehemiah says, that my fathers have sinned. And so the very first thing that, that Nehemiah, the very first thing that Nehemiah does when he begins to pray is he begins to confess his own sin. Do we ever have sin in our life that we need to confess? Thoughts in our mind. Bitterness in our heart. Anger, resentment. The first thing that Nehemiah does is he goes before the Lord and he asks Lord for forgiveness. And then he goes on down to say, he says, I'm not only going to pray for the sins of, of myself, but he said the sins of my forefathers as well. Now, I want to just toss this in. Not every time that we, not every time, this is not a dis, dis, disclaimer or an addendum, but not every time that we experience hardship and difficulty in our life is it the result of God chastening us because of disobedience. But every time that we do experience hardship and chastening and difficulty in our life, we ought to ask the Lord. We ought to say, Lord, is there something in my life that I need to repent of, that I need to ask forgiveness about in my life? Because sometimes the Lord uses a difficult road to get our attention. Sometimes the Lord uses a rough journey, some hills in our life to get our attention. Brother Mark and I were flying to Wisconsin. Elder Compton was with us. I love flying as long as it's smooth. While we were flying, the plane just dropped. I mean, if you didn't have your seatbelt on, you'd have probably been jolted out of the seat. And then it was so turbulent. We were sitting about halfway back. Elder Compton, Brother Mark, and I leaned over and said, sometimes, I mean, I wondered if we were going to, if it was going to smooth out. I said, sometimes I feel like, I wonder if I'm the Jonah on this boat. You know what happened to Jonah? Because of Jonah, that boat, the waters were really, really rough. Brother Mark didn't express much sympathy. He said, there's the door. <laughs> well, Nehemiah prayed to the Lord. And he said, Lord, both I and my father's house have sinned. And then he comes on down to say, 
Lord, we've neglected you in our life. He says, we've dealt corruptly against thee. And he says, and we've not kept the commandments or the statutes or the judgments without which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Now, you can go over into Leviticus where and he's referring to Leviticus chapter 26 and encourage you to go through and read in Leviticus because the Lord tells Moses to tell the people. He basically tells Moses to tell the people. He says, you tell the people, you instruct the people, you instruct my people that if you walk in my commandments, if you keep my statutes, if you set me as a priority in your life, he just basically says in chapter 26, he says of Leviticus, he says, you instruct and teach my people that if they keep my commandments, if they keep my statutes, if they follow after me, if they seek me and they seek me early, he basically, I'm going to summarize it here. I would encourage you to go home and read it. He basically says, I'll bless you. But he says, if you don't do that, you can read through chapter 26. He says, you instruct the people that if they choose not to follow my commandments, if they choose not to seek me early, that means make it a priority in our life to serve God. If they choose not to keep my commandments, my statutes, my instruction, my counsel, my direction in their life. He says, not only I'm not going to bless them, but he says they're going to suffer persecution at the hand of a righteous God. Now, I don't understand all of that. I, I, I think I understand this much about it. Maybe. I understand that God, we have the example of God doing this in the book of Job, that God puts a hedge of protection about us. I believe God puts a hedge of protection around his children, around you and your children and your grandchildren. But Satan desired to touch Job. In fact, Satan desired to touch Job to not only hinder his life, through affliction and touch his family. But he actually wanted to take Job's life. And the only thing that Satan could do in touching Job was when God allowed him to do it. God removed some of that hedge. Now, let me tell you, Satan is not your friend in any stretch of imagination. He's the devil. He doesn't want anything good for you. And if he's turned loose at all, he's going to do harm to you if he possibly can. Sometimes God, because he's God and he's sovereign, whether it's because of our disobedience, whether it's because of our wrong choices, God can, he did it with Job, he can remove some of that hedge round about us and allow Satan to inflict our life. He can do that. And God oftentimes does it to get our attention. God oftentimes does it to turn us around. That's not saying every time that we have big problems in our life or difficulties or struggles that it's the result of that. But we should always ask God. God, if there's something in my life 
that I need to repent from, would you show me what it is and would you bless me to repent? Nehemiah says, we didn't keep your commandments, God. We didn't keep your statutes. We didn't seek your judgments, which you commanded. If you go back and look in Leviticus 26, you commanded your servant Moses to teach. And then he says, referring to it again, he says, Remember, I beseech thee thy word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I'll scatter you abroad among the nation. Nehemiah is just basically saying right here that, that, Lord, it may be that the reason Jerusalem lieth in waste, it may be the reason that the enemy has taken over, it may be that the reason there's so many trials and difficulties and hardship is that we didn't keep your commandments. And it may be that you've scattered us around. But he doesn't stop there. I, 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 like the, uh, I like the way that God inspired the authors to write the scriptures. Because he could have ended it on a, on a really negative note. That could have been the end of it. But Nehemiah is still praying and he, he says, Lord, it may be that the reason that, that we've experienced this desolation is that we transgressed your commandments. But then he comes down and he says, but, but I remember something. I remember a promise that you gave to Moses. He says, I remember that you told Moses that even if we've strayed from you, even if we've departed from you, even if we've not kept your commandments, I remember, I remember God that you gave a promise. You're not going to leave us in that state, leave us in that condition. He says, I remember. And he says, here's the promise that I remember. He says, I remember that you told Moses, if you turn unto me, Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen even uh, addresses a nation, an entire nation, that if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, he says, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Well, wouldn't that be wonderful today? It would. I am so thankful that I live in the United States of America. I am not signing up to go anywhere else. But I tell you what, it'd be really great if the Lord healed our land. Don't you think there's some healing that, that, that we stand in need of? It'd be wonderful. Well, I'll tell you the one that can do it. I can't do it with any of my schemes or, uh, or, or, or devices or anything like that. But the Lord can. Look what he says right here. He says, but if you turn to me, number one, and if you keep my commandments, and if you do them, he says, though there were of you cast out to the uttermost part of heaven, he says, yet I will gather them from thence. I'll bring them unto this place that I have chosen to set my name there. Nehemiah says, I remember a promise that God had given in the past that even if the people were scattered abroad, even if they were desolate, even if they were taken and overtaken by the enemy, Nehemiah says, I remember the promise that God gave to Moses and I'm going to claim that promise. Now I want to tell you, the purpose of God's promises in his word are for you. The purpose of God's promises for you 
in his word are for you to claim. And that's what Nehemiah is doing right, right here. I, I, I'm sure you don't ever experience this, and I'm so glad you probably don't. But once in a while, I'll get overwhelmed. Anybody ever, ever get overwhelmed? Well, the other day, I got overwhelmed for a little while. And I thought, you know what? You need to lean on those very promises that are in God's word, and it'll help you when you get overwhelmed. In fact, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 61, verse 2. He says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Set your affection not on things of the world, but on things above. Those promises, when you get an overwhelmed heart, I'm telling you, it'll pull you out of it. If you ever get overwhelmed. The, those promises that God gives us in his word, you can take and you can put your name above those promises. And then when you have, when you get discouraged, you can claim a promise. When you get overwhelmed, you can claim a promise. When you get fearful, you can claim one of his promises. Because those promises are there for you. And that's what Nehemiah's doing right here. He says, Lord, I'm claiming one of the promises that you have given to Moses. That if we turn, you promised that you're going to heal our land. That you're going to draw us together. Those that have been scattered are going to come back. Wouldn't that be a happy time to see the Lord do that? Look at what he says. Lord, I'm claiming that promise in the prayer. And then he says something else. And I think this is pretty neat. He says, now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. I just want to mention something right here. Why would God not hear your prayer? Why would he not? He's promised that he would. Why would he hear your prayer? Right here's the answer. Nehemiah says, Lord, these people that I'm praying for right here, these people that I'm praying for, he says, Lord, as I'm praying for these people, he says, these are the ones, these are, first of all, he says, these are your people. And then secondly, he says, these people that I'm praying for, these people that, I'm, that I have a heart for, that I'm burdened for, he says, Lord, these are people that you have redeemed. Now, how did he redeem them? We needed redeeming because of our sins, because of our disobedience. And we were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. And if Jesus Christ gave his life for you and redeemed you, why would you not think that he would hear your prayer? To delight to do good for you. If you've been redeemed by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Listen. You are a chosen vessel unto the Lord. He, he refers to you in Malachi as jewels. A, a jewel. Elder Compton worked with jewels, jewelry. And, and, and a jewel was something that, that was a precious possession. To the Lord. You are a precious 
priceless possession because you've been redeemed. Now, he says something else here that I think is pretty, pretty good as well. I mean, all of it's just great. But I think this last, last uh, part is really good. Verse 11. He said, Lord, you've redeemed them by your power and by your strong hand. And then he says, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name. And he says, and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, talking about the king, for I was, as he tells us here, the king's cupbearer. Now, here's, here's something that I think is really important. Nehemiah didn't know what, how he would be used of God going forward. Nehemiah was just desirous to be used of God in any way that he could be of help in the situation that was around him for the good of his people and for the glory of the Lord. And that ought to be our desire as well. But look at what he says right here. In his prayer, he also prays. He claims those promises. Lord, you've delivered me. You've delivered your people. These are your people that you've redeemed by your right hand. You were redeemed by the blood of Christ. They were redeemed, even though Christ had not lived yet. They were represented by the blood of Christ. But he says right here, now he says, I I beseech thee that that, uh, you would hear me. You'd hear the prayer of thy servant and the prayer of thy servant's that desire to fear thy name. Do you fear the Lord? Do you love the Lord? Do you want to use the life that God has given you to serve the Lord? Do you want to be a follower of the Lord? Do you want to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ? Nehemiah said, would you hear the prayers of your people? And then he says something else right here. I think this is really, really neat. This just sort of is the capstone of of his prayer. He says, Lord, if, if I'm going to be used, if I'm going to be used in your kingdom, if I'm going to be used in your service, Lord, would you prosper my labors? When Brother Mike Rogers and I were ordained to the ministry, His uh, father-in-law was in his 90s. He was wrapping up his ministry. He was finishing his course in life. And so we took him to a local cafeteria and we were having lunch with him. And we said, Elder Hand, we were starting out. He was wrapping up his life in the ministry. We said, Elder Hand, can you give us some words of encouragement as we start and begin our course. He was quiet for a while. And he said, boys, so that tells you how long ago it's been. He said, boys, you pray that God will bless your ministry to make an impact or a difference in the lives of his people. Pray that you'll have Impact preaching. I never forgot that. Not always has that been the case. But it's been the desire. Nehemiah said, Lord. 
whatever doors you open, whatever opportunities that are there, Lord, would you prosper my labors? I want to tell you, if the Lord doesn't prosper our labors, it's described in um, Proverbs this way. If the Lord does not prosper our labors, it's like this. You can work, you, you can have three jobs, and you can work and work and work, and you can, it's, this is how he describes it. It's like putting money in the top of a bag. You ever seen these bags? Brother Al Perry used to carry those bags of coins and, and uh, uh, cloth, heavy-duty cloth, duffel-type bags of, of, of coins. He said, if the Lord's not in the matter and the Lord's not prospering you, you can put it in the top of that bag. But it's like putting it in a bag with holes in it and it comes out faster out of the bottom than what it is if you're putting it in the top. If God is not prospering us, whether it's from a financial perspective, whether it's from our labors, we can work and work and work. We can have three jobs, four jobs, five jobs, whatever it is. But if God doesn't bless us, it's like putting it in the top and there's more holes with it coming out the bottom. Nehemiah is simply saying right here, Lord, with whatever labor, whatever open door, whatever efforts that I have, Lord, I stand in need of you prospering those labors. And he's just simply saying, Lord, would you prosper the labors? Nehemiah had a heart to be used of God to make a difference. There's a whole lot more that goes on before Nehemiah gets to the point that he talks to the people. He first goes to the king. You can look in chapter 2. And it says before he went to the king, not only had he prayed here, but it's really neat that before he speaks to the king, he prays. While he's speaking to the king, he's praying. And then after he leaves the king, he's still praying. So that gives us real good encouragement that we ought to pray before, during, and after. I, I, I had a situation last week that, that was extremely uncomfortable, extremely difficult. And the individual that I thought that I was going to be meeting with, was, it was going to be really, really hard. And, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to do like Nehemiah did. I'm going to pray before and I'm going to pray during. And then it went so well that I prayed after the fact. I was totally amazed at how well the Lord opened that door. So we have good instruction right here, good counsel right here to pray before, during, and after And that's what Nehemiah did. And then he talked to the people. And Nehemiah shared how that God had put upon his heart to restore Jerusalem, to rebuild the walls, to rebuild the gates. And it says that Nehemiah told the people of the good hand of God that was upon him. And then it says that when Nehemiah told the people, it says the people mentioned this last week at Columbia. The people, it says the people had a mind to work. Now that's a real blessing. It's a blessing when you have young folks, when you have parents, when you have folks that have a mind to work. God used Nehemiah to restore the walls of Jerusalem, the safety of Jerusalem. They ended up having some Wonderful meetings in praising God. The people were secure. The people were safe. The people were happy. 
They were rejoicing in the Lord. And what had been scattered abroad, the Lord brought back together. And it was a happy time in the Lord. Nehemiah prayed to the Lord. He acknowledged his sin. He acknowledged the sin of his forefathers. He claimed the promises of God. He asked God to open doors. And then he said, Lord, whatever doors are open, would you use me in a way that you would prosper my labors? Some of us are getting too old to spend much time if it's not with the Lord's blessings upon it. With what time that we have left, we should desire to be used of God. And we should pray that God would bless our labors. Whether it's our health, whether it's our resources, whatever time that we have left, we should pray that God would prosper and bless. It goes down and it tells how that the Lord blessed Nehemiah and used Nehemiah. I don't think it's a stretch to say in the day in which we live, in our churches, in our families, in our nation, we need some Nehemiahs. You ought to be praying that God would bless us with Nehemiahs, with, with young men that... Their greatest desire is to be used of God to make a difference in the lives of God's people. We ought to be praying for some Nehemiahs. God bless you. We're glad you've been able to listen to this podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 10.30 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.